This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray. What was that? Oh, <laughs> it sounded like you just sat down in one of those giant leather Easy Boy chairs. Yeah. Oh, let me start again. Okay. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray and sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that knows his fandom from Walter White to Black Panther, Mr. John Irons. How are you, sir? Um, good. <laughs> and with us on the mic again tonight is our friend Rick. How's it going? I'm not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> You're not you're not as clever I'm... as good. <laughs> Howdy. Tonight our topic is going to be best in show and we're going to be uh talking about which movies or TV shows did certain things right, whether it be uh the best car chases, the best blowing up someone's head or whatever. <laughs> you know, we've Wait all, a minute. We've all well, no, no, that's next, that's next time. <laughs> It's, it is, it is a, it's a rotating list of, of various awards. Oh, okay. Um, well, I hope I did it right because I came up with my own list. Was that, was that what I was supposed to yes, do or was were. I supposed to follow a certain no, list? No. Okay. No, you're supposed, to do, okay. you're supposed to do a list of uh, – so, so, yeah, so um, um, if, if I may, Sean? Well, I, we're going to play a game first. Okay. We're going to play a quick game. We're going to play a quick uh, version of the IMDb game. And uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna we're gonna do three names, so it's ba- basically best two out of three. Um, I'm going to type in a name to the IMDb search bar here. Not going to tell you who I'm looking up, but it is not Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to pull up this person's list of credits. And this is an actor. I will tell you, it's, it's an actor. I'm going to pull up this person's. Um, list of movies that they've been in i'll skip over tv shows and stuff Liam Neeson. as much as as much as i can movies and uh you will whoever can guess johnny the, depp the person no no it's not johnny depp. whoever can guess the person that i'm talking about first will get the point Scott Bakula. okay i'm gonna go all, all the way back <laughs> to their very first credit and i'm gonna move forward so as, as, I, as i get as i get closer to today it'll probably get easier Fred savage but, no, it's not Fred Savage. <laughs> First credit is from 1966, Dead Heat on a Merry-Go-Round. 1967, Love, L-U-V. Uh, 1967, A Time for Killing. 
Uh, I'm skipping over TV series. I'm trying to stick to movies. 19, Sonny Bono. 19, did you say Sonny Bono? No, it's not. What? 1968, uh, Journey to Shiloh. Morgan Freeman. Uh, no, not Morgan Freeman. 19, Clint uh, Eastwood? No, not Clint Eastwood. 1970, Zabriskie Point. 1970, Getting Straight. 19... Not Rock Hudson, then. No, not, not Rock Hudson. 1973, American Graffiti. 19, Ron Howard. No, not Ron Howard. 1974. Matt Dillon. Uh, the Conversation. Oh, um, uh, 19. Dustin Hoffman. No, not Dustin um, Hoffman. 1975. T- no. Uh, TV movie, ju- uh, Judgment, The Court Martial of Lieutenant William Cayley. Uh, 1970, Dynasty, the movie. Uh, 1977, The Possessed. 1977, Star Wars. 1970. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Rick gets the point. I almost said him when you said before, and I didn't think he had been working that. I th- for some reason I thought American Graffiti was his first movie, so I kind of no. That was I think that was his first uh, kind Real of major movie. role or main role role or whatever. But he had been in some stuff before that. All right, so let me put in my next name. Rick gets that point. Okay, and going all the way back to this is another actor. When you say actor, are you saying actor as opposed to actress or actor as opposed to director? As opposed to director or writer or something like okay. that. Uh, 1968, Singing Faces. 1968, Walk, Don't Walk. 1971, The One-Armed Bandit. 1974, Energy Crisis. Burt Reynolds. No. 1974, The Groove Tube. 1978. Ooh, saw that too. Foul play. Gene, no, no, not John Travolta. No. 19. No. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, um. Pryor. Richard Pryor. <laughs> no, not Richard Pryor. Uh, Gene. Uh, Gene. Hackman. Wilder. No. No. Wilder. No. 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 Nineteen eighty. Oh, Heavenly Dog. Eighty. Caddyshack. Chevy Chase. Who said it first? That felt like a. I'm gonna tie, give it actually. to both. I'm going to give it to both of you. So I'm going to give Rick another point. I'm going to give John a point. Now, if you tie it up, I don't have a tiebreaker. We tied on the last right, one. So I won't accept another tie. <laughs> <laughs> I will rage quit this please. show. I'll come up. If, if, if it's a tiebreaker, if, if we need a tiebreaker, I'll come up with something. I mean, I just have to come up with another actor's name. So. All right. Put this one in. This is another actor going all the way back to 1981, The Burning, 1983, An Uncommon Love. Kevin Costner. 1980, no. 1984, Swing Shift. Oh, um, Michael Keaton. No. No, oh, sorry, that's Night Shift. <laughs> 1984. Blood Simple. No, oh, 1984. Stop talking. Because <laughs> I don't want to give him any more clues. That is not the answer. It's it's it's, it's crap. It's um, game over, dude. Game over. No, no. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Not Bill Paxton. Nope. Nope. All right. 1984 with intent to kill. 
1987, Raising Arizona. Nick Cage. No, oh. not Nicholas Cage. John Goodman. No, not John Goodman. Now, I do have to say, when I say actor, it can be a female. Helen, Holly Hunter. It's Holly Hunter. <laughs> oh. I knew you, you guys were just going to start guessing guys' names. Well, that's, that's, what, that's actually why I asked about what you meant by actor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to... I knew if I said actress, then I'd be giving it away. Well, so. <laughs> no, there's Okay, so this is Ty. So let me... Uh, let me <laughs> Let me come up with uh, let me come up with one more to try and break this tie. Okay, I think I've got somebody. Buster Keaton. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be way back. Okay, uh, Henry Winkler. Let me pull up these film credits, and we're gonna go all the way back to Buster eighty-six with Lucas. Nineteen eighty-seven Square Dance. 1988, Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton. Uh, Buster Keaton. Michael Keaton. <laughs> Buster Keaton. No, it's not Michael Keaton. Uh, 1988, Alec Baldwin, uh, 1969. Oh, no, Gina Davis. Gina Davis. No, not Gina Davis. 1988, Heathers. Winona Ryder. 1989, Winona Ryder. Yes. John gets that point. I could have swore I heard you say, I'm going to bring up his, his credits. I was thinking, guys. Uh, I don't think I said that. I think I said I'm going to bring up these credits. Oh, I thought you said his. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, All I, didn't, right. I didn't hear any of that. So I bow before your superior <laughs> knowledge, sir. <laughs> okay, best in show. So, uh, John, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you start. Okay, so this is I. Um, I got this idea watching, um, a film that I love, by the way. Um, but there was a scene in it that is like a, a pinnacle to me. It's like one of the best of that type of scene that, that there is. Um, so a lot of times on the show, you know, we'll have a topic and we'll list series or films. And I felt like there's a lot that kind of slips through the cracks. Like there are some things that are just good but the movie's not good, or, or the show's not good, <laughs> or or the show doesn't fit in a category. So this is more like, it's almost like the MTV Awards, where they'll like award for best kiss, or best fight scene, or whatever. So so best in show, right. yeah. best in show is is to honor, or, or to, to recognize a, a specific scene or episode, as opposed to the whole show or the whole film. Right. Okay. And so I, I, I kind of want this to be a, a recurring thing, like Sci Fighters. Probably not as often as Sci Fighters, but um, so the topics that we are doing for this installment of Best in Show. Uh, what did I say? Oh, okay. Best chase scenes. Best hero reaching his or her potential. And best scene of possession. No, that's not what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was supposed to do my own <laughs> okay. my own list. So I, I did best I did best space battles, best <laughs> best aircraft crashes and best falls. <laughs> best what? Best fall. Oh fall. Yeah. Wow. All right. You went way off the rails I, <laughs> I failed on my own show. Okay. <laughs> So well, you know what? what we'll I, do is you got you guys do what you were supposed to do, and I will just do my own. Yeah, thing your topics here. sound great. I would I would have loved to <laughs> been a part of it. 
<laughs> I would have y- your topics. I would have had less difficulty with. I'll grant you that. Um, okay. Well, how about this? Why don't we do ours and Sean? You try to come up with one for each, and we'll come up with. We'll try to come up with one each for yours. I will attempt to do. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So I will start um, with best chase scene. The, the the movie that made me think of this was um, I was watching The Incredibles and the chase scene where is in the forest when Dash um, is discovered and he has to um, escape the the evil minions that that movie itself I love that movie that mo- that is a pretty perfect movie in my opinion and that scene. Um, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's, it's great. There's action, there's, there's comedy. Like, you really feel a sense of danger. You feel the sense of speed that, that he's, because, because they've also set up in the context of the movie, this is the first time he can really run as fast as he can. Because he's, he's, he's had to restrain himself. They've had to hide their powers this whole time. And this is the first time he really gets to cut loose. And he goes faster than he even realizes he can. Uh, which results in that, fantastic moment of discovery when he actually runs on water and just the elation it's oh I love that movie so much goosebumps goosebumps are happening right now um but yeah alright so that's that's my first one you want to go back and forth you want me to just go through my list Rick um uh why don't you go through your list okay um no, no, well, let me let me clarify. Are we doing? Because I've got a bunch for each. Because I wasn't I wasn't entirely certain how this format was going to yeah, work. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Um, are we doing one of each or, or multiples, multiples of each? Of each. How, I've, how got, I've got I've okay. got four chase scenes. Okay. Um, so the Incredibles, and I, and I won't go into a lot of detail about each of them. Um, the Deadpool, not to be confused with Deadpool, the Deadpool, the Clint Eastwood uh, Dirty Harry movie. There's a scene where the psycho killer is is blowing people up because he'll send like little remote cars under their vehicles and then they'll like remote control vehicles. He will use a remote control car, he'll drive it under a real car, and then he'll blow up the thing, which blows up the real car. Uh, so Clint Eastwood, aka Dirty Harry, figures out that's what he's doing, which leads to. <laughs> a chase scene through the streets of San Francisco where Clint Eastwood is driving his actual car the bad guy is driving his actual car and between the two cars the bad guy is driving his car while he is remote control driving the little toy car which is a bomb which is chasing uh, Clint Eastwood uh, through the city so you get the classic uh, shot of like you know the, a car flying over a San Francisco hill as it as it reaches the, as it crests the hill at 80 miles an hour. And then it's followed by a little toy car. And then it's followed by another cool car. You're, you're not going to believe this, dude. That's it's a great chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a terrible movie, but that scene stand, has stood out. Cause I saw the movie at the, at yeah. the cinema and it, it was probably the only Her- dirty, Harry movie I ever saw in the movies. And it was just it's yeah, it's, it's not a good movie. It's <laughs> but not a good movie. That scene is br- is sheer yes. brilliance. Uh along those same lines <clears throat> of um not a great film, but a really innovative chase scene. Um Fallen, 
starring Denzel Washington. Is that on your list? Okay. That would have been like a psychic high five right there. Um, (laughs) So basically, uh, Denzel Washington is a cop and he has uh, sent a bad guy. I think he sent him to, he sent him to prison and he's like a serial killer and he gets the chair until he dies. But he somehow was able to come back and um, possess people. And he, in order, to, in order to be possessed by him, the body that he is inhabiting has to touch you. So he, he, he has a spirit, he has an evil spirit passed through physical contact. Which leads to a chase scene in which Denzel Washington is on one end of a crowd and he is trying to escape the bad guy and effectively and and the the all he has to do to chase him is just reach out and touch the person next to him so it's it's a really cool scene um and it's 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 again not a great movie but the chase scene is Denzel trying to outrun you know the next person that the you, you, it's hard for me to describe, but you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's all sort of like this domino effect. Exactly, this entity working its way exactly. through the crowd, uh, and you know which yeah. one he is because he's he starts singing. The yeah, same song. the time <laughs> is on my side. Yeah, and let's see. My last chase scene um, spotlight goes to Raising Arizona. Oh yeah. Uh, it's I don't know. It's maybe like a. 10 minute chase where uh, uh, Nick Cage decides to rob the convenience store because Nathan needs some huggies uh, <laughs> and hilarity ensues you know the, uh, you got you know, a panty on your you head you got a panty on your head <laughs> everybody's got a gun it, it is it is it is one of the defining moments of the Coen Brothers career for me that, that, and I don't, I don't even want to go into all of the, the whack shit that goes down, but it's, it's a great, it's great. All right, Rick, what do you got? Okay. Uh, the first one is Mad Max Fury Road mm. because, and the whole damn movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. The whole movie is uh, a chase scene. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it, it's just it's brilliant. I did not expect to like the movie because you know when you get a sequel twenty years after the, the last movie, and the last movie wasn't all that great to begin with, uh, it generally doesn't bode well. But Fury Road was just genius, uh, and the whole thing with you know a couple of minutes of pause is just one long chase scene, yeah. and it's it's the, the choreography of it's great. The, the tension's great. Uh, Electric flamethrower uh, Charlize guitar. Theron is amazing as Furiosa. Uh, I just not there's not a thing I didn't like about that movie, and and you know to single out any any particular part just it, it is unnecessary. The whole thing is just great. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, my second one is from Monty Python's Life of Brian. Uh, which, if you're not familiar with the film, folks, uh, it takes place in 
biblical times, around the same time that Jesus was born or, or lived, uh, and uh, uh, Graham Garrett. Oh God, why can't I remember his name? What the heck? The actor. Uh, yeah, I've seen the mo- I've seen the movie. Yeah. Wait, uh, Graham Chapman. Yeah, yeah like, he's actually bo- he's born he's born in the same stable that Jesus is born in on the same night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. it's it's a spoof of biblical. You know, it it got it got a lot of controversy because people were got their their knickers in a bunch because they thought it was making fun of Jesus. Was like, no, it's making fun of biblical times. And anyway, um, the Romans are looking for Brian. He he. Did, did something I don't, I don't even remember what why exactly they're oh he's he's part of the 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 resistance and so there it's just kind of like this classic thing of they're running through the streets of 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 Judea or whatever and but there's this one point where he he runs up a flight of stairs and ends up at the very top of a of one of these buildings I don't know it's only like two stories high but and he falls off and just as he falls off a spaceship flies by and he falls into this spaceship and the two aliens who are, you know, classic kind of Terry Gilliam animation turned into puppet sort of thing. Uh, they're as puzzled by the fact that this guy fell into their ship as he is being in the ship. And then they go out into space and they're in a dogfight, and then they get (laughs) shot down and it crashes and the spaceship explodes. And Chapman just sort of walks out from the wreckage and brushes himself off and, looks up and there's the Romans chasing after him again. And it's just, <laughs> it's just classic Python. What the, what the hellery, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, life of Brian isn't necessarily their funniest movie, but I think it's their best movie. Um, just as far as, as, as being a coherent whole goes. And, uh, uh, but I just, I, I think that that's a, a great, great chase scene there. Good call. Thank you. Um, and then the the last one, I mean, I also had the Millennium Falcon and the asteroids, but that's kind of a given. Um, <laughs> the 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 big chase scene in the Blues Brothers movie, yeah, where you've got Jake and Elliot are are uh, Elwood, not Elliot. Dude, I, <laughs> I've got to stop doing these shows sober. <laughs> I ran out of beer this afternoon and didn't have time to get any more. Um, Jake and Elwood are running from the cops, and they have they have pissed off every cop in I in Iowa, no, Illinois, not Iowa, Chicago. Illinois, um, and they've also pissed off a bunch of country music singers, <laughs> and and uh, and Carrie Fisher, and, and, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> and they're all chasing, and the and the chase ends up going through a mall, I mean literally driving through a mall, and I and I love how they're they're driving through the mall and and uh, and they're like oh look. Hot Topic's got a sale or whatever, <laughs> and they must they must erect two hundred cars in this. If, if you haven't seen the Blues Brothers, first of all, what the hell's wrong with you? Get it, <laughs> watch it, and then watch it again because you'll want to. Uh, but this chase scene is—I don't know that it's ever been topped as far as just number of cars destroyed, uh, and they—they they actually did. I think it was a—I think it was a mall that was being de- that was like going to be demolished so they just literally drove their cars through this mall drove through stores uh and it, it i i love the the scene where the cop car is upside down and it's spinning and we go inside and the two cops are there upside down and they're like i'm gonna get those guys <laughs> it's just 
br- brilliant. Blues Brothers is a brilliant movie. It's one of like the three SNL based movies <laughs> that was that was worth watching. Yeah. What are the other two? And that uh, Wayne's, Wayne's World, World is one. Yeah. And uh, it's Pat. It's Pat no, the movie. No, it's not. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe, um, now, you know what I was thinking is Ghostbusters, but that's that's just SNL alums. But uh, yeah. so maybe there are really only two: Wayne's World and, and Blues Brothers. <laughs> I, I feel like there's one more. I just it's not. Gonna oh be. no, uh, no, no. Wayne, yeah, Wayne's World. Yeah, they're, they're, I think that. Yeah, Wayne's World know. too. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So those are my chases. Okay, okay. Sean. Um, one? I did come up with one. Um, uh, Live and Let Die. Uh, there was a really good chase scene about in the middle of the movie when they're in Louisiana and they got that Buford T. Justice type sheriff out there and everything. And uh, there's a chase scene where the bridge is out and the car goes over the, um, like jumps over the, it's not a river, it's like a stream or whatever. Anyway, it Canal. jumps over where the bridge is out. But... It does a corkscrew in midair, and that wasn't a special effect. That was that was really done. I mean, that was a stunt driver that really did that. It did a corkscrew and then landed back on its tires on the other side. And the only thing that ruined the scene was when it went into the air, they did the sound effect that's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like that, <you> know? <laughs> it ruined it a little bit, but it was it was really impressive. That that uh, that that stunt driver was able to do that corkscrew in midair, and you know, he could probably only do it once. Sure. He's like, you know, you better get this the first time. I don't know if I can do this again. <laughs> well, I think the stunt driver got hurt. Oh, doing really? That stunt. I think he he like cracked his spine or something on the landing. Oh, that wouldn't remember. Surprise. That right. wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. But it was impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> if they just left out the little slide whistle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, what's your next topic there, uh, John? You know, um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to um, the Matrix Reloaded. Um, that the whole highway chase. That's, that's yeah, that was pretty impressive. Reloaded. That was the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the only good thing about. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to get enough. <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, hero reaching his or her potential. Usually at the climax of the of the film, um, I, this isn't on my list, but you know Neo realizing that he's Neo, and they can see the Matrix would be. Oh gee, thanks. No, no, go ahead, Rick. You go first. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you go first, Rick. No, 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 no. Go ahead. That, that was I'm, my my. I really only have one that's not so bleeding off. No, no, seriously, you go first. Oh, so I did my chases first. Uh, Oh, okay, um, I did have I did have the Matrix on there just because I was like I gotta think of something else, um, but the the one I've got on here that I think might be might be uh, no one else might have thought of it, Sam Gamgee in Return of the King. Oh, nice. Be- because you know he's he's up until that point he's just basically been complaining and worrying about Mister Frodo and yelling at Gollum. <laughs> But then, when they finally get to the point where where Frodo just can't go anymore, and you've got Sam with that that speech of "I'll carry you if I have to," and you, you know, just every he's crying, Frodo's crying, everyone in the audience is crying. Um, 
And, you know, he makes, he saves the world at that point because Frodo wasn't going to be able to do it. Uh, and Gamgee gives him the strength that he needs to get there. And, you know, in a lot of ways, he is the big hero of the Lord of the Rings. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then the other one I've got is, is Ray in The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when she, when she focuses uh, and... Yeah, when she just... Sabers it up. Kylo's ass, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got... Um, I actually don't even remember this character's name. Um, oh, I think his name is John, so... That <laughs> narrows it down. But it's the... <laughs> <laughs> um, in the film Dark City... Um, you don't really under you don't really know what's going on. You know weirdness is going on in this city, and you know that there are these strange people who basically change. They're up to no good, and they and they and they. Well, you know what? I'll spoil it. It's fine. <laughs> um, they, I'll partly spoil it. They reset the city every night, and they. Um, they just kind of manipulate all the people in it. Um, and they wipe their memories and they put them in different scenarios just to kind of see, you know, what they do. And the hero, John, for whatever reason, um, the mind wipe doesn't work. And you find out the reason at the end of the film as he reaches his potential. And... They call it tuning, which is being able to recreate and warp reality around you. This is what the uh, the bad guys can do, and the humans cannot do, um, until John can do it. And the way... Have, have you guys seen this movie? I don't believe so. Rick? Uh, I have not, no. It's, the again, the movie itself... It's actually it's actually a pretty good movie. It's kind of slow. Um, it kind of drags a bit, but the mystery of what is happening is intriguing enough to keep it going. And Jennifer Connelly's in it, and uh, Rufus Sewell is the lead. Uh, John Hurt. No, not John Hurt. Um, William Hurt. And. Um, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, hmm. but, but basically, at the end of the film, um, John Rufus Sewell is able to do the things that the bad guys can do. And so there is this massive, epic sci fi battle of. telekinesis and things flying and people flying and shit blowing up real good it's it's (laughs) it's and and uh yeah it's it's a great it's a great moment because um he basically uh he's he's he is strapped to like a a chair or something He's, he's like strapped to a board and uh he 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 opens his eyes and realizes what 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 his power, 
and he he opens his eyes and he just kind of s- steps down and the board just melts. <laughs> and everybody takes a step back. It's great. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. Um, let's see. Um, the scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, where the whole premise of Buffy is into each generation a new slayer is born. There's one who has chosen to fight the darkness and the demons and she is the slayer. Um, in the series finale, the TV series finale, they defy this convention and they unlock the potential of every person who could be a slayer. So in this moment, um, girls, women, old women around the world are suddenly imbued with the powers of a slayer. So uh, like they show a little girl on the baseball field about to swing and you just kind of see her stand up a little taller and they show a woman who's getting abused and they show her like she, she grabs the hand that's hit. Like it's, it's a great, it's a great scene. Um, aside from, yeah, they, they, they beat the bad guys. Just that, that, that scene of every woman who could be a slayer becoming a slayer is great. Um, and I, and I, and I always like it when a show has the balls to just change the world. Cause why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, every, every few months I will mention the last dragon where Bruce Leroy <laughs> discovers that he is the true master and he's got the glow. <laughs> and he whoops up on show enough. The show got to haul him. Lord, Lord Bowler. Lord Bowler. <laughs> Again, not a great film. He's <laughs> got some, uh, some problems thematically. Uh, but that's that's a great scene. Even the, and the special effects in that film, even in that scene, aren't good. But it's it's the the music is swelling and you're rooting for the good guy. It's 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 a it's a it's a very satisfying, very satisfying scene. Uh, Sean, got one? I don't have a specific scene. Uh, I was just thinking the um, uh, the Incredibles. And going back to that movie is a is a good example of, I guess, the hero's journey, um, because Mister Incredible, you know, he's trying to do his own thing. He's trying to come out of retirement, be a superhero, and everything, and he doesn't realize that his power, basically, his power is in his family. So he's not he can't be himself without his family. And I guess that scene. When he realizes that, when he's being uh, confronted with, um, what's the bad guy's name? Syndrome. Yeah. When Syndrome is confronting him towards the end, and uh, and he he really thinks that he's about to lose his family, or that he already has lost his family, and he looks defeated. And then when his fam- when he gets his family back, then he's more powerful than he ever has been. You know. So nice. I guess that's a good example of that. After these messages. 
Hey, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hai Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes. Stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com, where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. Daylight come and me one go home. Day, me said 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 day, you. Daylight come and me one go home. Work all night and me drink a rum. Daylight come and me want to home Stack banana till the morning come Daylight come and me want to home Come Mr. Tally man, tally me banana Daylight come and me want to home Say come Mr. Tally man, tally me banana Daylight come and Okay. Uh, you want me to do one of mine? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me uh, let me see. All right. I got. Okay. So space battles. Uh, the Enterprise versus the Reliant in Star Trek Two. Greatest thought, space battle ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was because it's a great game of cat and mouse. You know, maneuvering around one another inside that nebula. I've always said that one of the great things about the Wrath of Khan is the fact that Kirk and Khan are never in the same place at the same time. They never actually fight each other like they did in the, in the TV episode when, in, in Space Sea. They just kind of glare at each other over the <laughs> view screen. <laughs> and, and, uh, but that scene reminds me of some of the, the great old uh, submarine battle scenes from old World War II movies or more recently like uh, The Hunt for Red October, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, and then also the Battle of Scarif from Rogue One. Because mm, uh, yeah. I think the Battle of Endor is one of the greatest battles in film history. But I think that modern day special effects kind of edge out just a little bit with, uh, with the Battle of Scarif. That battle was amazing. It There's so much going on. It brought back a lot of nostalgia because you, you see those Star Destroyers and the X-Wings and the TIE Fighters and all that, that kind of stuff. But it was also really like a heart-pounding scene. We didn't know what was going to happen because we didn't know these characters before this movie. And uh, we all we knew was that by the end of the story, the Death Star plans were going to belong to the Rebellion. But how that happened, you know, we didn't know. So 
seeing that Star Destroyer crash into a force field, I think that that's an amazing, an amazing uh, shot. I love that battle scene. I could just watch it on a loop over and over. <laughs> um, and then the last one that I wrote down was uh, the battle against the Reavers in Serenity. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched Serenity, but I remember that battle simply because the Serenity kind of lures the Reavers into a battle with the Alliance just to cover them going on a mission down to the planet's surface, you know, and they kind of weave their way through the battle and like uh, to get to the, the planet's surface. And, yeah, like a leaf on the wind, and uh, and it looked awesome, and it was a perfect cap to the to uh, Firefly. So, uh, so yeah, there's that. Okay. What about you guys? Um, you got a space battle. I got a space battle. Uh, and uh, is it is it Scott that's always talking about the last Starfighter? Uh, uh Rick, <laughs> Rick has brought up the last Starfighter a couple of times. We we'll talk about it too. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes, yeah. Um, the, the final scene where they unleash the, what is it? The death blossom, death, death, death blossom. blossom. Yeah. Uh, again, special effects, not the greatest, <laughs> not even close. But you know what? I mean, they were, they were, they were cutting edge at the time and it shows that the time is not now, but it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's always nice to have a MacGuffin. Of okay, well, whatever you do, don't push this button unless you really, really have to. Can I push it? Oh, don't push it now. It's not bad enough for you to push the button. Don't push the button. <laughs> and then when they finally push the button, you don't really know what it's gonna do. But it's like, okay, you better be impressive, and it was impressive. It was good. It was good. It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was very satisfying. So yeah, so heroes getting their butt kicked until the till he pushed the button. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky got a space battle. I I don't have a specific one, but the space battles in in the the most recent incarnation of Battlestar Galactica were amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved their use of kind of a, a documentary look to it. How uh, like you'd always the the camera would would kind of go out of focus a little bit when trying to to zoom in on the on the the vipers or or the Cylon Raiders or stuff. And while they didn't go completely silent, they did mute the sound uh, whenever you were out in space. Uh, and I just I just love the the use of the lack of gravity as you know it was a lot more realistic than usually we get usually space battles especially when you're dealing with like little one or two man fighters usually they move like airplanes and they they shouldn't they wouldn't and the the new BSG really took advantage of the fact that you know like Starbucks favorite move was to just pivot her ship around 180 degrees while still going you know cuz all that did was change the direction the ship was pointing, not the way it was going, and just to to shoot at Cylons behind her and stuff. Um, I just I, overall the 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 battles in Battlestar Galactica were stunning. Okay, y'all want to do your uh, your your possession let's, scene? Let's, let's do another one of yours. Oh, okay, all right. Well, um, the next one that I had was uh, top three uh, aircraft crashes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And the uh the first one that I had was from Flight starring Denzel Washington. Uh for a movie that is mostly about an investigation with courtroom scenes and scenes showing Denzel Washington getting wasted. This movie had a pretty spectacular plane crash in it as well. Uh 
Denzel's character, he's a pilot, and he takes over the plane from the co-pilot because uh, he had, basically has to crash land it, and he does a barrel roll in the process, actually flips the plane completely over and uh, and crash lands the plane. And then there's the rest of the movie is a, is a big um, investigation as to whether or not he was drunk at the time. We Spoiler alert, he was. Drunk at high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, they, and th- th- there's actually a, a, a line that gets quoted at my job a lot because uh, they ask him towards the end of the movie, were you drunk on the day of the crash? He says, hell, I'm drunk right now. <laughs> so, uh, so I like that. And then... Um, Con Air is another one. Uh, you can say a lot of things about Con Air. You can say Nick Cage does a terrible Southern accent, even though he always has. Uh, <laughs> you can say John Malkovich phoned it in. I'd say he was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, you can wonder why in the world Cole Meany was there. <laughs> but uh, You can uh, wonder why you've watched it enough to know who was in it. I've seen the movie plenty of times. but uh, <laughs> It had a great plane crash scene. Uh, you know, the plane was was uh, the prisoners were uh, took over the plane and they landed it and they were supposed to get on another plane but the other plane didn't show up so they took off in the same plane <laughs> and then they got shot down and they uh, and they had to crash land on the strip in Las Vegas they made a crash landing and then they escaped on a freaking fire truck and Nicolas Cage chases them on a, on a motorcycle and it was the late 90s and the action movie was king and surround sound was all the rage <laughs> and it was just it was just awesome <laughs> And I actually saw this. I saw this movie because I was working at a movie theater at the time, and we had this cutting edge technology of a surround sound headset that they let, used to let people rent, and they could wear it while they were watching the movie. And uh, and it sounded awesome, but you looked like an idiot wearing the thing. <laughs> uh, you would rent this thing and, and and put it on your head, and they had all these receivers set up all through the through the theater. And uh, basically, if you watched the movie without the headset. A lot of the sound effects you wouldn't hear because they didn't have the surround sound speakers like they set up like they do in in most theaters because the surround sound would go through your headset, so it would sound like the stuff was like right behind you, like right over your shoulder and stuff. So it was pretty cool to watch a movie like that with that headset on. Uh, Technology didn't take off. (laughs) (laughs) We 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 were kind of like a guinea pig uh, for for that. for that service and uh and uh i never saw it in any theaters after that it lasted about a year where we were and it was cool but you know if you wanted to pay an extra three bucks after you'd already bought your ticket you know to to where the headset and uh the last one on my list was star trek generations because uh it's not the best star trek movie by a long shot but the crash scene of the enterprise d was pretty well done even though it was it took a little too long (laughs) Um, but i also find it hard to believe that you can blow up part of the ship and crash the other part and nobody gets killed but you know it's star trek so but uh but yeah that scene of the enterprise kind of gliding in to the atmosphere and then just kind of skating on the surface like that was uh was a pretty cool pretty cool scene so crash scenes guys you just took the one I could. The only one I could think of was Enterprise. Enterprise. Uh, I'm actually gonna go with uh, uh, airplane. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want y'all to know. Well, counting on you. Good luck. Uh, as the crash is happening. Um. Let's see. 
How about ridiculousness for uh, Die Hard Two? Oh a yeah, cargo plane with an ejection seat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that. What was what what what's the deal with that one? The that was where the 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 fuel tank the, the plane was trying to take off, and all the bad guys were on there, but so was McLean. Who oh, just right. know, spent the last ninety minutes getting his ass kicked left and right, and the the fuel tank is leaking, and he. I don't remember if he did it or someone else lit, lit the trail of fuel. Yeah, but I think you're talking about two different scenes because you're talking about where where he ad- he ejected from one plane as it was exploding, and yeah. he ejected his seat and he comes way up in the air and then falls back yeah. down. And then there's a and then the scene towards the end, the bad guys oh, are right, on the plane yeah. and it's leaking fuel and he lights the he lights the the trail. It actually takes off. It's up in yeah. the air. But he lights the trail and does his yippee ki mother, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, cool and, yeah. and blows the plane up. So. The, the, yeah. right. so neither one of those, well, cargo planes don't have ejection seats. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, they have a, a, this weird thing on the top of the flight deck called a roof. <laughs> so, but the general audience doesn't know that. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right, you want to do your possession scenes now? Yeah, we'll do possessions. Um, uh, Beetlejuice, the uh, Dale scene around the dinner table. Oh yeah, uh, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, Sean, uh, when you when you when you edit this together, that should be the music when you come back from commercial. Just have just, uh, start playing the, the yeah. banana boat song. <laughs> um, the others, starring uh, Nicole Kidman, there is a scene where. Um, gonna spoil this for you guys, so you know. Twist. Turns out, Nicole Kidman and her family are the ghosts, and they're haunting the house. Um. So in this, there's a scene where Nicole Kidman is is walking up f- from behind toward her daughter, and her daughter looks strange. She only she only sees her from behind, and she 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 comes closer and she sees that it's an old woman, and she says, "What have you done with my daughter?" And the old woman says, "I am your daughter." Because the whole film is shot from the other point of view. So instead of being in the human world, seeing the ghost haunting it, we're in the ghost world, and the weird sounds that we hear are actually the humans. So in the scene where we would normally see an old woman in a seance, and she she starts to speak like a little girl because she is possessed, because the old because the girl has entered her old woman body. From Nicole Kidman's perspective, her young daughter has transformed into this old woman. Uh, and I, that film is still stands out for being uh, a very simple idea, but a very original idea. Um, and I thought that they did it well. And that scene is kind of one of the scenes that I, that I think of when... Um, when I'm trying to describe to somebody what's great about it. Um, 
and I think this is probably on your list too, Rick, so I apologize if it is. Um, of the probably hundreds of possessions uh, in the Evil Dead franchise, the idea that the evil just wanted his hand. <laughs> it could have easily taken him over the way it takes over everybody else. But no, it just wants to take control of his hand so that it can kill him with his own hand. Actually, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. Uh, it's been out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been out for a minute. <laughs> so, but that, yeah. I, and actually, well, I'll, I'll get to that uh, in a second. So. Yeah, Carry so... On. That scene is the reason why he has a chainsaw on his other hand. Because, uh, you know, he can't go around with a possessed hand on you. And he takes care of it in a true Ash fashion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I only got three for that. So, uh, what are yours? Okay. Well, see, here's, here's the problem I had with this particular topic. Because... Um, Folks that know me from some of my other shows know that I am not a big horror fan. Uh, in fact, I've always been something of a wuss when it comes to watching horror movies. And so, uh, you know, a lot of possession scenes come mostly from horror movies. In fact, this afternoon, as I was like really coming up, you know, goose egg on trying to think of things, I asked my friends on Facebook, what are your favorite possession scenes? Go. And 90% of the films were... were things i'd never seen um and you know the the obvious you know the exorcist is kind of like okay i think we all probably avoided the exorcist because we figured everybody else would pick the exorcist well um, when i when i first thought of this um one of the scenes that i thought and i can't remember I, I wish i could remember what it was but um it wasn't a i mean i, I yeah I, I thought of like you know a ghost taking over your body but there one yeah. of them was um some robot character or some android character got hacked and so he basically he was no longer in control like someone else had taken control of him and i can't remember what mm. I, go well, ahead. yeah i i did come up with a couple though. okay um and one is along those lines have you ever seen the steve martin lily tomlin movie all of me oh yeah, yeah. It's a I, I forget it it's been ages since I saw it, but the, the the concept is that somehow Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin are both in Steve Martin's body. Yeah. And you know, I think this came out around the same time as Big and, and uh yeah. Parent Trap and stuff. All, all of these body swapping movies. And basically Steve Martin's character controls the right side of his body and Lily Tomlin's character controls the left side of his body. And Steve Martin does a brilliant job of acting this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the scene that really comes to mind is when, when he has to go to the bathroom (laughs) and he's like, I can't do this with one hand. (laughs) It's just, you know, when he looks in the mirror, he sees her face, but you know, it's Martin doing all of the physicality of it. And it's just genius. Right. Um, but uh, the the other one that came to mind immediately was, uh, did either of you guys watch Penny Dreadful? Yeah, I watched the first two seasons. I've seen the first few episodes. Okay. Um, I loved the whole show. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I was very sad that they only did three seasons, but I was also kind of glad that they did the story that they planned to do and ended it when they planned to end it and didn't 
uh, you know, milk it for, you know, just to just to keep it going, just to keep making money. Um, but Ava Green, uh, one of the first episodes is taken over by a spirit during a seance. And it is one of the most disturbing oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. things you'll ever watch. And her commitment to the role is just outstanding. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I granted haven't seen a whole lot of, of possession scenes or films or stuff, but that was just her, her ability to just absolutely inhabit this other creature was mind blowing. Uh, I, I love Ava Green anyway. Uh, I think she's, she's wonderful. Uh, I think it's a shame that she was in Miss Peregrine's home for disturbed <laughs> children or whatever, because it was so beneath her abilities. Um, I still haven't seen but, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I was, it was great that she was headlining a major film. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she was, I, I couldn't figure out what the hell she was doing in it. Uh, I, I think it was the, you know, the direction, but uh, it, it was just a, a, a film that was unworthy of her talents, but she's still shown, you know, yeah. was, was awesome as ever. Uh, Ava Green is just wonderful. And uh, if you like gothic horror, uh, Penny Dreadful is a, is just brilliant, I think, anyway. Um, I also got a couple of, of Star Trek ones, because why not? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, Return to... T- uh, no. Uh, yeah, Return to Tomorrow, where... The, the the ancient being Sargon takes over Captain Kirk and uh, uh, Shatner's portrayal of that was really, really well done. Also uh, Spock and uh, a, a female crew member who we will not see again <laughs> get taken over um, more or less benevolently. Uh, <laughs> um, and then also in, in Star Trek um an episode that is justifiably greatly maligned. <laughs> it was the last TOS episode called Turnabout Intruder. Um, it's a dreadful, horrible, awful <laughs> script. <laughs> but uh, I mention it because, okay, the, the are either of y'all familiar with it? Yeah, I've seen uh, it. You got to remind okay. me. I don't, I don't know. Okay, the, the, the concept is an, old, an ex-flame of Kirk's has found a, an ancient machine that allows her to swap consciousnesses with oh, him. No. And so she takes over his body because she tried to be a starship captain and flunked out. And so she's decided it's all his fault. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so she steals his body and then go, tries to go on a rampage. And um, it's, an, it's an awful episode, but Shatner's portrayal of her in his body... Uh, is I, I I don't want to say it's genius, but it's so worth watching <laughs> because he I mean he he just totally commits to it and and it it's the the screaming insane rage that he does is as her as Janice uh, is it's a sight to behold. It's it's maybe not worth enduring the whole episode for, uh, but it, it's worth checking out at some point. If you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't seen it, you really you really should watch it at least once. And it was their series finale. 
<laughs> it, well, yeah. they didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually never um, got aired. It got the show got canceled before it got a chance to. It was never aired in, in regular in its regular prime time. No, it aired slot. in syndication. Yeah, in syndication. Yeah. Um, the only one that I've got this, I just I wanted to find one that was different than just a, you know a horror movie. Uh, do you have you guys ever hear of this movie uh, Heart and Souls that came out in like '93? It had uh, Robert. De Ni I mean, not Robert De Niro. It had uh, Robert Downey Jr. And uh, he played a he played a um, like a business guy, but when he was when he was a kid, uh, he was involved in a bus crash, and these four people died in this bus oh, crash. Oh, I and, think I've seen and this. And they kind of got they kind of got attached to him. They didn't they didn't possess him. They were attached to him. They couldn't they couldn't move beyond a certain distance from his body. And, uh, they kind of hid themselves from him as he was growing up. And then, uh, they found out like the bus driver is, uh, David Pamer. He died in the, in the bus crash too. I remember and he was this supposed film. To wow. Deep yeah. Cut. He was, he was supposed to tell them, he was supposed to tell them that they were supposed to use him to kind of tie up loose ends in their life so that they could move on. But no, nobody ever told him that. So they just kind of hung out for 30 years <laughs> and uh and so he comes he comes back to collect them and 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 they hadn't done it yet you know so they have to do it all at once and um and basically robert denny they reveal themselves to him and uh he goes around to their their various uh loved ones and allows them to kind of possess his body for a, a few moments to kind of tell them what they need to say and, and that kind of thing and it, i mean it's a good it's a cute movie it's a I mean, it's not like a action thriller or anything like that. It's just it's like a little it's a comedy, but uh, it's good. It's got Charles Grodin, Kira Sedgwick, um, Tom Sizemore, and Alfred Woodard are the four people that are attached to him. And then Elizabeth Shue huh. is also in it, and David Paymer. And uh, it was a good. It was a good. That movie. is, yeah, I I so. I vaguely, barely, scarcely remember that film, but I, yeah, I, I remember thinking that it was uh, more entertaining than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. High praise. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a, a search for Spock on that list as well, because since Spock basically kind of took over McCoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. true. Partial yeah. partial possession. Sort of kind of. Semi-haunting. Yeah, yeah. He leaves his catcher behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a towel and get that for you. <laughs> there was one thing that I wanted to do before I let, before I ended the show. Okay. Um, and it's not, it's not part of the topic. I went and saw a movie this week that I wanted to talk about briefly. Uh, my wife and I went to see the disaster artist the other day. <laughs> All right. I, I know. I know. I said. I said to you guys on Facebook that you, you. I need you to see the room. I, I'm sure you haven't watched it yet, have you? No. No. Okay. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. You, you probably. I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I'm, I, I would have to be in a very particular kind of mood to see it. So I'm gonna say it won't happen. I will say that it's unlikely. The the room. Okay. So I first learned about this movie uh, when we first started doing this podcast, and we did our uh, list of really bad movies. And Hai Chan was yeah. here, and it was on her list. And I had never heard of it before that, but I watched it, and she was right. It is a terrible, terrible movie. 
but it's one of those movies that it's so bad that it's hilarious. But no, it's no, it's not even. It's not. It's worse than Sharknado. I was gonna say it's almost, I mean, it's almost because, art. It's art. Yeah, it's my wife's behind bad. me chiming in. Yeah, I mean because Tommy Wiseau is the the guy that that he 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 wrote, produced, directed, and starred in this movie, and uh, he thought he was making a streetcar named Desire. He thought he was making a good movie. And then when it came out and everybody's laughing at it and everything, it kind of broke his heart a little bit. But then he went with it later on because it, it made him money. They they did these uh, midnight screenings, kind of like they do with uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, where people show up and they interact with the movie and everything. And if you can go, if you don't want to watch The Room, just go to YouTube and look up The Room, and there's videos that just show maybe five, ten minutes of just clips from it, so you can kind of get a gist of, of how bad... I mean, because it's bad. And, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a scene where um, the the delivery of the lines is so weird because he's talking to one of his friends, and, and, and the guy asks him uh, how work is, and he, like, works at a bank or something like that. He says, oh, yeah, work is great. We've got a new client. We're making a lot of money. So, how's your sex life? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just stuff just out of nowhere, you know? And uh, But anyway, so James Franco made this movie about Tommy Wiseau uh, with his brother. His brother Dave played uh, Greg Sestero, who plays uh, Mark in the room. And he and uh, Tommy Wiseau were best friends. They met each other at like a film class and stuff. And they decided to make this movie together. Well, Greg knew it was a bad movie. <laughs> you know, but it was a job. And Tommy was his friend, so he went along with it. And um, the, this this movie, uh, James Franco really like embodies the character. Because uh, they say that even while he was directing... Uh, he was directing as Tommy. You know, he he never he never turned into into James Franco. You know, he was Tommy the whole time. <laughs> you know, so uh, but yeah, I recommend it. It's kind of in a limited release. I think it's only showing in one theater here in Birmingham. Uh, probably just to get it in theaters long enough to get some some buzz so that uh, it can be eligible for an Oscar next year so uh, but yeah if you get a chance to see even if you don't want to watch the room just watch one of the yeah my wife my wife will not watch the room she 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 won't do it so um but she but she did like this movie you know so if you go to youtube watch a few clips from the room you'll get enough of it to 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 understand it and then uh and then watch the disaster artist and and i think you'll enjoy it because it's it's a really good movie it was hilarious what will probably happen is um, when the direct, when the disaster artist comes out on video or on demand, I'll probably watch the disaster artist and then watch the room kind of like right behind it. Like I could I could see that if I if I if I you know <laughs> if I have to swallow it all at the same time, it won't taste so bad. Well, at the end at the end of the movie, when the movie ends and they go into the closing credits, they kind of they show some key scenes from the room and show it side by side with the recreation that they did with James Franco for the movie and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you, so you get to see some of those scenes there and, you know, and, they, and I mean, there's some stuff like I've been quoting, I watched the room again, uh, about a week or so ago just to prepare myself for the disaster artist. And, um, <laughs> and my wife, getting on my wife's nerves, of course, because I keep going around the house going, "You're tearing me apart, Lisa." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Stuff like that, and she's like, "Who is Lisa?" 
So, uh, so yeah, I do. I recommend the Disaster Artist. So, uh, all right. and I recommend the Room, even though it is awful. It is awful. <laughs> I do recommend it. <laughs> if uh, if you want to laugh at a bad movie, so okay. So everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict on the Android Store, and uh, SoundCloud, and wherever you find the show. Make sure that you take a second to give us a five-star rating so that we can help more people find the show. And uh, be sure to share us on Facebook or retweet us on on, on Twitter. And uh, you can email us at mail at cosmicpotato.com. You can send us a text or a voicemail at area code 205-642-8380. And uh, that's it for this week. Uh, John, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And Rick, as always. Bye. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to join us next week here on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, when you might hear John say, You know, if you don't count the soapy part, dirty dishwater is just really, really terrible soup. (laughs) (laughs) True. Yeah, that would be pretty awful. (laughs) 